Our scripture passage today is coming from the book of Hebrews. It's going to be the 10th chapter, verses 11 through 25. So I invite you to follow along in your own Bibles that you have, Bible apps. Or you can read the word as it is displayed there on the screens. So passage is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 25. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, though his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, And with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed over with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, in Mississippi, we get real excited when there's snow in the forecast, right? We, we, we see it, and we're like, ah, uh, it's not going to really happen, but we're, we're going to get excited and hold out hope that it actually it's going to snow, and we'll have to miss school. Everything will shut down for just a little half inch of, you know, snow, pretty much. And that's our hope, right? We like snow. Most of us do in Mississippi. Well, we got our fill of it, or I know I did, back in February of this year. I don't know if y'all remember that stretch of a week where it almost didn't go away, it seemed like. Not even the sun could apparently melt it. And so, yeah, it was all exciting back in February when we were like, oh, it's going to snow, it's going to be a big one. And it was, it was great, a lot of fun. Get out and play in it, get inside, warm up. But then it stayed, and then it melted, and then it froze, Then it became ice, and it became something that just stuck around, you know. And after a while, after two or three days, I'm like, okay, it can go away now. And it wasn't. And then there was that windy night we had with all the frozen tree limbs, and then you're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, am I going to lose power in the midst of all this stuff? And some of us did. I was one of them. And so with losing power and sticking around in cold temperatures, you're like, okay, great. What kind of provisions do we have that we can use? A lot of PB&Js. You know, do we have plenty of water? Yes. Do we have plenty of ice? Well, look outside. Yes, we do. We don't need any. And so I remember my house is all electric, so there's no gas, which is good and bad. And I'm a coffee drinker. And so I'm like, I am going to have coffee with no power somehow. So I went outside, fired up the charcoal grill, and boiled a pot of water on the charcoal grill. So my my coffee was very um, dark with a hint of smoke flavoring, okay? But I I drank it just out of determination. I was not going to have a caffeine headache on top of all this and no power and no heat in the house. 
And so when we lose power in our homes, I don't know about you, but whenever I go into a room when I have no power, I just go just by, you know, habit. I just flick a light switch, right? Nothing comes on. And I'm like, why did I just do that? I know I don't have power. I go in another room after just thinking this, flick on a switch again. I'm like, why did I do this? It's not going to change anything. And I do it all the time when the power is out. And I know I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Flick. I just did it. Why did I just do that? It's almost like the definition that you hear sometimes of insanity, of doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. I can flick the light switch all the time. When there's no power, it just isn't going to come on. i got to do something else. All right? And so when I think of that, and I think of doing something over and over and over again, expecting different results, I think of these opening verses here from what we just read. Listen to it again. From every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sin. So these priests in the Old Testament times are offering sacrifices every day, all the time, to atone for the sins of the people. But it just was never the perfect sacrifice. They had to keep doing it over and over and over again. It was almost like pure insanity. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God And since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So the priests are offering sacrifices all the time. And it just wasn't the right sacrifice that would finally be the last one until Christ comes. And would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for us all. And there would be no need for further sacrifice. Christ was it. He was the perfect one to atone for all of our sins from here on out. And so what does he do? I almost see it like when he's done the job, he goes and he almost kind of like just sits down and dusts his hands. He's like, all right, took care of that one. What's next? And that's basically what he has done. He has taken care of our sins so that for those who believe can have eternal life. And so God atoned for all of us. He's the perfect and final sacrifice. There's no need for him to do it again. The insanity stops with him. And that is the good news for each and every one of us. That is the good news. And so it then goes into the rest of the passage with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in verse 15 also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write it in their minds. I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the new covenant, the new promise for God and his people. God has given covenants to his people all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. And we are now under the new covenant. The new covenant of his blood. And the law is written on the hearts. It is written on the inside of each and every one of us for those who believe. It is an inward grace that we will then take and formulate and live out in our lives. It is the good news. It is what we have on the inside that counts. So Jesus Christ, he says that he will write the law and the covenant will be on their heart and within their minds. And this covenant was actually mentioned in Jeremiah. 
It's called the Comfort Scroll, if you go and read Jeremiah, and it talks about this covenant. It mentions this covenant in Jesus Christ and comes and fulfills it. And character, the forgiveness of sin is a characteristic of this covenant. Forgiveness of sin is the characteristic of this covenant. So therefore, friends, when we need to think about this, when we think about there's nothing we need to do on the outside, that Jesus Christ brings his covenant and it lives within us. It lives within us. And so it says, therefore, we should have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain or the veil, which is his flesh. Having confidence, this is a bold statement. The high priest back in the day, when they would go to the holiest, holiest place in the temple, it would be behind a veil, a thick veil. And a lot of times they would go into their trembling as they go before God. Because if they messed up, if they did something not right, they were afraid that God would strike them dead. They were afraid of their flaws, that they would be struck dead in that moment. And so it's very common for them to go in trembling. The audience in this book of Hebrews would have known that. And so when you hear it said, have confidence, enter before God with boldness, because of what Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us. It gives us the assurance that we are loved. That despite our flaws, our dirtiness, we can still go before God. We do not have to run and hide in shame. And so that's why this is so very important. It says, enter with confidence, enter with boldness, the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus. A lot of churches will incorporate theology into their architecture. And so you'll see a lot of times churches paint their front doors red to symbolize that you can enter the sanctuary with confidence and boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ coming from this passage. And so right there we should have no shame each and every time we go before God. We should do so with boldness for what Jesus Christ did. The veil tore. When you read scripture, the veil was not a thin sheet of cloth. It was thick. It had been hard to tear. And so when Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn. There is nothing now that separates us from God because of Jesus Christ. And when his flesh was pierced, it's symbolic of the tearing of the veil. As Christ was torn, so was the veil. And it was all for our benefit. It was all so that we could enter in before God and have that relationship with him. Go into verse 21. And so we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Let us approach. Let us draw near to God. You know, in times of trouble in our lives, we all have these times of trouble in our lives. We're not immune to them. But you've noticed some people seem to weather the storm a little bit better than others. And if you get down to it, some of those that have a strong faith will draw near to God in those times of trouble during those storms. And when they draw nearer to God, they have a peace with them. And I think it's something for us to learn when we are in troubling times, what do we do? Do we draw near to God in those moments or do we draw near to something else? Because I would say we would better be thinking about drawing near to God whenever we face troubles because he is the true shelter. He gives us refuge. He is our safe place. 
and he will guide us in what we need to do. So we should be able to draw near. Don't let your past transgressions think you can't, because you can. And I know when we have done things that are wrong, we struggle with moving past that, especially if our wrongs have hurt somebody else. And so in those moments, we wrestle with it. What do we do? How do we right these wrongs? Well, first, I would recommend that you would try to make it right with the person you hurt if it's, a, if it's available. If it is not, though, you still draw near to God in those moments. He will guide you. He will forgive you. He provides that for you through Jesus Christ. So don't think you can't turn to him and draw near in those moments. Because as it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Now let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know so far this passage has been thinking Focusing on me or you, individual, what to do. But now we pivot and we go to the larger community and how that plays into our faith. You know, we are to provoke or encourage one another to love and good deeds. The love that's mentioned in the Bible is agape love, love of friendship, love of brother and sister. So that means all of us are to provoke each other or encourage each other in love and good deeds, to inspire love and good deeds for one another, for our neighbors. You know, because you do have to tend to yourself first before you can think of the larger community. But once you have righted yourself with God and vast forgiveness and are working through that, now you're able to work with the community and to encourage and inspire to love and good deeds. And you can't do that by yourself. Which is why it says, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but to encourage one another. That is so true for today. It's one of the biggest struggles for church leaders. How do we encourage our congregations to safely come back to worship when the time is right? How do we encourage one another to do that? Because out of necessity of COVID, we had to provide ways where you can worship remotely. And those things are great. Because there are times when people need to do that. Some people have to do it all the time because they're not physically able to come. And that is it's a good thing that we've perfected those ways where you can worship from home. But the other thing is too, is like church leaders are struggling, there are people who can be here. And so how do we encourage them in love to come back to the community and to participate in the life of the church and to continue to serve others? And church leaders can speak all day long about it, but at the end of the day, it also comes from the church family and community reaching out to those that you know that are out there, but you haven't been seeing much at church, haven't been seeing much at Bible study, been seeing much doing mission work. Have a conversation with them. Don't guilt them. Just love on them. Say, hey, we miss you. Let's come back. Let's continue to do this church thing together. Let's share the good news. There are people out there that need to be here, that need to know they are loved, that need to know that Jesus Christ paid the price for all of their sins and that they can boldly enter into this place of worship. 
And so I think this part here is so critically important even today. As we're getting things back to normal over the next year or so, as we're getting people back safely to worship and serving together and doing Bible studies together, that we all play a part in encouraging one another, provoking one another, saying, hey, we miss you. We can do this. Because there are a lot of things out there that God is calling us to do. There's so much need out there in the world. While many of us will probably have presents under the tree and food on the table, there are also families out there that cannot on their own for whatever reason it is. It's not our reason to judge. But it is our job to go out and to love on them and to serve them. That's why it's so incredibly important that I like to talk about our birthday gift for Christ mission. Because we all hear the word a lot, but what is it really? It is our community partnering together, our family of faith partnering together, working together to provide a holiday season for these families that they can enjoy. That they would not have unless we didn't do this. It's angel tree families. These are children who have one parent or both parents in jail. And so by partnering with this mission, you'll make sure they'll at least get a Christmas. At least get some gifts. It's the Methodist children's home. The foster home. These kids have no parents except for the foster system. And so without us in the community of faith, what will be with their Christmas? Trinity Mission Center in the Hispanic communities. And they've had a rough few years. They need our love and our help. The families of MADCAP. Those families that participate in MADCAP, those parents have actually gone through some training classes and have done a lot of work that usually begins in the summertime so they can qualify to have their kids adopted so they can have a Christmas so mom and dad can use their money to pay the bills. None of this would not happen if it weren't for our community of faith encouraging one another, working and serving together, loving together. It's a team effort. We cannot neglect from meeting together. So that means coming to church, coming to Bible studies, doing mission projects together, connecting in. And so we have a great challenge before us to do all that as we safely return back to church. So I think this is so very, very timely for today. So when you look at this passage here, where we are told to enter in with confidence to before God with boldness because of what Jesus Christ did, the insanity of having to offer sacrifices over and over and over again is done. Christ is the final and perfect sacrifice. And that we are to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. What does all this mean? I think the big thing here that sometimes we subconsciously think, or might really not think it through, but by how we act and what we say, I think this is what this means. That God's love and forgiveness... God's grace is more powerful than sin. God's love, grace, and forgiveness is more powerful than sin. Sometimes, though, we live a life where we kind of give the victory to sin. We think, well, God's love and grace is not good enough for me or for this. Sin has won the day, and that is not the truth. I think what this passage is telling us here, that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, God's love for us, is the most powerful thing in this entire universe. And it is given to us. It is given to us. All we need to do is to receive it, to live it out, 
and to encourage one another. I think that's the message for today. Let us pray.